So I'm glad you're here this morning. We are uh, beginning a new uh, sermon series that's going to be uh, probably last about 20 weeks, probably. Um, in the book of Colossians, we are going to be looking at the supremacy of Christ. Christ is our everything. We need nothing else. No one else. He is our everything. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at, uh, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1 this morning, the first eight verses. As you're turning there, let me just uh, mention to you, um, I'm not sure we mentioned this last week, but uh, Pastor Payton's wife, who went home to be with the Lord about eight months ago, his wife, Aline, uh, passed away uh, last uh, Saturday morning. And her uh, memorial service is going to be this Saturday. It's going to be during the women's conference at 11 a.m. It's going to be in Fresno, um, and it's going to be Facebook Live. And so it'll be archived. So if you're at the women's conference um, uh, this next weekend, you can go back and uh, watch that memorial service if you like. And it's going to be at Trinity Southern Baptist Church in Fresno. So you'll need to go on Facebook, and you'll need to like Trinity Southern Baptist Church, their Facebook page, so that you can have access to uh, the memorial service. So I encourage you to do that. And remember the Payton family, uh, they have been through a lot of loss over the last uh, couple years. And uh, Aline had struggled with Alzheimer's disease for uh, several years. It had been very, very hard uh, for, for Glenn and the family. But uh, she has been set free. Amen? And that's where our hope lies, because of what Jesus has done for us. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about Colossians. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction to uh, this letter that Paul wrote to the people of Colossae. Uh, Paul is in prison. Uh, Paul is under house arrest in Rome. And uh, he's uh, conv- he can have... Uh, uh, he can have visitors come visit him in Rome, and he had lots of visitors come to him. But the reason why Paul is in prison in Rome is because he was accused of uh, desecrating the temple in Jerusalem and uh, preaching um, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, Paul was uh, knew that the the law the the Jewish law could not save people, and so Paul's message was contrary to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, wherever Paul went preaching the Gospels, he uh, he irritated, he uh, stirred the pot with uh, Jews. And so finally, in Jerusalem, uh, the Jewish people had a, had enough and were able to uh, have Paul arrested, and he was uh, taken to to Rome, and he spent uh, two years in a Roman prison in uh, Rome uh, under house arrest. And you can read more about that in the last chapter of Acts, uh, Acts chapter twenty-eight, verses sixteen through thirty-one. But as he was under house arrest and people came to visit Paul, uh, he had a visitor by the name of Epaphras. And Epaphras was uh, the probably the pastor uh, in Colossae. Uh, Paul had never um, been to Colossae. Paul had been to Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was um, a city uh, uh, on the... Uh, <clears throat> in in 
Turkey, what we know as Turkey today, uh, it was on the coastline, and Colossae was about 80 miles east of Ephesus. And as Paul had spent two years in Ephesus, people were coming and, and hearing the gospel and receiving Christ. And Epaphras and Philemon uh, most likely heard um, Paul's messages and received Christ, went back to their hometown of Colossae and began a church. Flight, uh, the church met in Philemon's home. Okay, so... Philemon was kind of like the life group hostess of the church in Colossae, and Epaphras was uh, the, the pastor of this church. And Epaphras comes to Paul in Rome, and he has a huge concern. Because here is this small group of, of uh, believers in Colossae, and they are being influenced by uh, what we know as Gnostics. Okay, and Gnostics were uh, people who, they were spiritually elite people. Okay, they were in the know. They knew the truth of who God is. And so if you wanted to really be close to God, then you needed to follow their teachings. And they didn't believe that Jesus uh, was God, that he was the creator of the universe, that, that Jesus was God in the flesh because they believed that, um, uh, physical matter around us was evil and God couldn't have anything to do with physical matter. And so there is no way that God could have incarnated himself in the person of Jesus Christ and lived with among us because God is altogether different. He is holy and he can't uh, touch or be a part of the physical. And so they believed in Jesus, you know, they believed that Jesus was a good man, that he was a start. But if you wanted to uh, get close to God, there were a lot of different hoops that you had to jump through. You had to ju- jump through uh, Jewish legalism. You had to d- jump jump through uh, Eastern Eastern uh, uh, philosophy, religion. Um, you had to jump through things of astrology. There were a lot of different things that helped you, enabled you to work your way up the ladder to attaining God's presence. And so Epaphras came with his concern about this this uh, Gnostic philosophy that were influencing the believers uh, there in Colossae. Now, there's a difference between Gnosticism and and ag- being an agnostic. Okay, being an agnostic means that uh, uh, you don't know if there's a God or not. But if you're a Gnostic. You know there's a God, but it's not through the person of Jesus Christ. It's a mystery. There's a lot of passcodes. There's a lot of things that you need to delve into to get to know uh, this God. And so obviously when Paul is hearing this from Epaphras, uh, Paul writes this letter. 
And this letter is focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is kind of an immunate, immune, immunization shot. That's kind of a uh, uh, controversial word today. But uh, God, Paul's giving them a shot that will prevent them, that will encourage them, keep them from being susceptible to this heresy that is trying to permeate, influence this church. And so uh, when Paul writes this letter to the Colossians, he's probably writing a letter to the Ephesians at the same time. And uh, because the beginning of this uh this uh, first chapter sounds a lot like uh, the first chapter of Ephesians. But we're going to start uh, this morning, and we're going to look at the first eight verses. The Bible says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always give, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world as it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras as our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit." Paul writes this letter to the Colossae, and he's, he's going to be addressing the, this a problem that's, hap, that's in the church. But oftentimes when Paul writes a letter to a group of believers, he always begins upbeat. He wants to commend the people for who they are and the fact that they, they believe in, in what they've heard. And that, this letter is no different. Probably the only letter that's uh, different from the other letters that Paul has written would be the book of Galatians. Uh, when he wrote to the, the people of Galatia, he just got right into the problem. But here we see in this passage of scripture that uh, he is encouraging. He, he's been encouraged by what he has heard about the believers at Colossae. And he is very upbeat. It is a celebratory, salutatory introduction. Okay? And uh, why? What, what are they celebrating? Why is there reason to celebrate among them? And the first thing we see uh, in this passage of Scripture in verse 2 is his grace to you. His grace to you. Paul says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ Jesus of the Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, oftentimes when the uh, the Greeks would greet each other, they would use a form of the word grace to uh, to to say hello, 
and that form of the word grace was the word uh, karen. But when it comes to um, uh, welcoming one another in the church, Paul's going to take that word grace and he's going to make it something altogether different. Instead of using a form of the word grace, he's going to use the word grace, the word carice. And when Paul says carice, this is a celebratory welcome. What means, what that means is, you know, you, you have received God's unmerited favor. God has chose you. God has loved you. It's not because of what you've done. You are His period. And it's very celebratory. It is a big deal. Grace. He also introduces this letter by acknowledging saints and faithful brothers. Because you have received this grace, God has given you a new identity. You are a saint. Do you see yourself as a saint? You know, Paul acknowledges us as saints. He's not just writing to the Colossae church. He's, this is speaking to us this morning as well. And if you are a person in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you are a saint. Now, if you go up to, uh, Eunice Gilliland and just, uh, build a relationship, get to know her a little bit, it's obvious that she's a saint, isn't it? But even the person she's married to, John Gilliland, not so obvious, yeah, but he's a saint. Lori Ochoa, you spend any time with Lori Ochoa? Yeah, she's a saint. But even Arturo Ochoa, he's a saint. You know, I, I think... I think of Sybil Turner. Sybil Turner. I mean, she, she oozes sainthood. I tell uh, Sybil all the time, Sybil, I wish everybody in our church was like you. My job would be so much easier. But she loves Jesus. God has labeled her a saint because of the grace of God in her life. Paul says, saints and faithful brothers. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because God is our father. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God, our father. And when our lives are in Christ, you know what? That makes us brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We're, we are all related if you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so uh, here we see in this first passage, in this first two verses, you know, there is lots to su- celebrate because of what God has done in our life. And the reason why this can be 
is because Paul says, you are in Christ. Verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. This in Christ church is going to be a very big deal as we go through the book of Colossians. I want you to know, I want, I, I want you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you a visual reminder this morning, and this is gonna be kind of our mascot illustration as we go through this book. But we need to understand whose we are and who we are in as believers. The Bible says, if you're a Christian, your life is in Christ. Now, before Christ, this is you, okay? The inside of you is black. And the reason why the inside of you is black before Christ is because the Bible says that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, talk about the fact that when it comes to the things of God, we are dead. We are spiritually dead. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, I don't feel dead. I'm here this morning. I'm living and breathing and I'm alive. Yes, you are alive. Physically, you are alive. The Bible says you have a, a, a physical part, a soul, and a spirit. Your soul is alive. Your soul is going to live for all eternity in one of two places. Your soul experiences the things of this world. You are able to enjoy God's creation around you. You're able to live and breathe and enjoy this life. But when it comes to the things of God, understanding this book, understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for us, if Jesus isn't in your heart These things make no sense whatsoever. And the reason why is because your spirit is dead. But the Bible says when you come and when you choose to believe in what Christ has done for you, your spirit becomes alive. And the reason why your spirit becomes alive is because... Christ is in you. I want to look at some Bible verses. They're not in your outline this morning. I didn't have enough space uh, to share with you these verses. But this is what the Bible says when we come into our relationship with Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You can write it down. I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Romans 8.10, But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 6 and 7, Because the God who said, Out of darkness light shall shine, is the one who shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not out of us. Galatians 1.16 God has set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me. And so when we come into relationship with Christ, Christ lives in our heart. Christ in you. Your life is in Christ, but Christ is in you. And when we receive Christ, the Bible says that we are sealed. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And it's better than duct tape, okay? But God seals you with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at another verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. He who first hoped in Christ has been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay? So Christ is in you. You have received the Holy Spirit, and that is... God's guarantee, that's God's uh, down payment that you are going to receive, inherit uh, all that is in Christ Jesus. But not only is Christ in you, but the Bible says, I need to write you because this is you, the outside container. Not only is this you and Christ is in you, But the Bible says that you are in Christ. So let's put you in in Christ. Let's write Christ on the outside. And let's look what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. God has blessed us. In Christ, with every spiritual blessing, and God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Church, that's his grace. It's not, his grace isn't based on what he thought you were going to do. No, before you were even born, before your parents even thought of you, before they even came upon, uh, in the, in the earth, before the foundations of the world, God knew you. And God chose you in Christ. He has blessed us in Christ. Ephesians 1 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that's in Christ, the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15:22 For as in Adam all day all die so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Not only is Jesus in you, but you are in Jesus, but not only that, the Bible says that as believers 
Our lives are in Christ, and Christ is in God. So let's write God. There we are, church. There you are, believer in Christ. Not only are you in Jesus and Jesus is in you, but Jesus is in God. Look what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Can you see yourself there? How you doing? I would say you're doing pretty good. And I would say, you know what? Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're going through, you know what? God's got it covered. You are in him. And he is never going to let you go. When God saves you, God keeps you. And the reason why we can believe that is because Jesus said it. In John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. But God's hand has come around Jesus' hand, and no one is able to take me, take you out of God's hand. God's got you covered, friend. He's above you. He's underneath you. He's around you. You are in him. And you can celebrate. And that's the introduction to Colossians. There is a lot to celebrate. And when we know this truth, and we're going to be coming back to this, uh, these nesting containers throughout the book. When we get this, when we believe this, not only is there reason to celebrate grace, But there's peace from God. Paul says, grace and peace, children of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, my peace I give to you. I like what Oswald Chambers said about this passage of Scripture on uh, December 24th in his uh, devotional, My Utmost from His Highest. He said this, When you really see Jesus, I defy you to doubt Him. If you see Him when He says, Let not your heart be troubled, I defy you to worry. It is virtually impossible to doubt when He is there. Every time you are in personal contact with Jesus, his words are real to you. My peace I give to you. 
a peace which brings an unconstrained confidence and covers you completely from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Your life is hidden with Christ and God, and the peace of Jesus Christ that cannot be disturbed has been imparted to you. Church, this is who we are in Jesus Christ. And Paul is writing to this this church at Colossae because these spiritual elitists are telling these believers that Jesus isn't enough. That's only the beginning, and there's a lot more things you need to do. When the Bible says... When we choose to believe, how does this happen? How does this take place in a person's life? It takes place by faith. Faith in the truth of the gospel. And Paul is laying out the foundation for these Colossae believers. When by faith you chose to believe the truth of the gospel... This is what automatically transpired in your life. Jesus is your every. When you have Jesus, you have everything. And it comes through faith. You know what? The gospel is a scandalous message. I mean, every other religion on the face of the planet, you got to be doing things to obtain or earn God's favor. And you never know when you're good enough. But in Christianity, Jesus is enough. And if you've got Jesus, you have everything. The Bible is the only book that is true from cover to cover. You know, uh, truth is, uh, is, is something that um, is talked about a lot today. And uh, people are constantly asking, what's true and what isn't? I mean, there is a lot of fake news out there today. And as you read things, you... You question, I wonder if this really is a fact or not. You know, and fa- Facebook has made a really big deal of that. Uh, they've promoted a lot of fake news over this last election. I'm not going to go into that. But uh, people are questioning uh, the integrity, uh, the words of uh, journalists these days. What's true? What's fabricated? What's man's personal opinion? But when it comes to the scripture, friend, you can believe beyond a shadow of doubt that what is written here is true. Now, that's a rather dogmatic statement, isn't it? How do we know that this book is true? Well, we spent some time uh, about that back in uh, September and October. And if you'd like to uh, hear more on those messages, I encourage you to go back into our archives on our website and listen to why the Bible is true. 
But just briefly, what I'm going to share with you, why I know the Bible is true, is because Jesus believed the Bible was true. Jesus quoted um, from three-fourths of the books of the Old Testament, passages of Scripture from the Old Testament. Jesus believed that the Old Testament Testament was authoritative, that the Old Testament was God's word. The Bible says in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the words that are contained in this book, they are God-breathed. They weren't man's opinion. Man didn't just wake up one day and think, you know what, I think I'm going to write parts of the Bible. No, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit to record the words that that we have contained here. They are God-breathed. Yes, he used man's personality to write these words, but they are from God himself. And the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, that Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the, the Word in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word from Genesis to Revelation. All the books of the Bible point to the person of Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus. And we can believe the words of this book. And when Jesus rose from the grave, Jesus says on the, uh, on the uh, road to uh, Emmaus, got together with two men who were perplexed, who were despondent because they had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And following the resurrection, Jesus spent time with these men and went back to the Old Testament and talked about all that the the law and the prophets had to say about the Messiah, all talking about himself. We can trust the Bible. And by faith, it's not by works, by faith, when we choose to believe who Jesus is, we choose to believe this book, what he did for us on the cross and the fact that he rose from the grave. When we choose to believe the gospel of what God did for us, not what we can do for God, what God did for us. Bible says we are in Christ. And, and Paul is pointing this out uh, in verse 3. We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world as it is bearing fruit and increasing. So the next question is, how do I know 
I know that Jesus is in me, that I'm in Christ, that Christ is in How do I know? How do I know that this has become a reality in my life? That's an excellent question. And the reason how you can know that Christ is in you is that you've got a love for him and you've got a love for others. Paul points out, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints. When we're walking with God, when we're caught up in the grace and peace of God in our life, you know what? We're going to love others. Not, and not just the family of faith, but we're going to have a concern. We're going to have a compassion for all people, even those who don't know Christ. There is going to be love. How are you doing in your love? You know, it's, it's easy to kind of wander from the faith or get disillusioned, get our our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourselves and, and throw a pity party and just be consumed with you. And when we're at that point, you know what? We don't love. We're not concerned about others. But we're, we're growing in our relationship with Christ. And we understand who, what God did for us and how he wants us to take that gospel, that message, that heart to others. We can't help but love. Church, we need to be a church that loves. Not just loves the people who are convenient, but loves everybody. That's the mission of our church, to help people love God and love others. There's some people in our church right now needs our love. Kind of the in-reach ministry of our church. You know, we have several um, families or widows or widowers who are homebound who physically are unable to attend our services any, anymore. And we have an in-touch ministry that weekly we want to go to them. We want to take them a message of the service. We want to give them, get them the prayer sheet, uh, the handout as to what's going on in our church. Just see how they're doing. You know what? We don't have enough people to visit those individuals. We need to love them. They are still very much a part of our church. And I'm not trying to put people on a guilt trip who are already doing a lot of things in this church. Okay? I'm talking to those who are just kind of on the sideline. You're just always a spectator here. Maybe that's something you could do. You could go visit a shut-in and just encourage them and just love on them a little bit. 
Paul was impressed with the believers at Colossae from Epaphras. Verse 8 says, and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. When we have the Spirit of Christ in us, when we're uh, overwhelmed, consumed by the grace of God in our lives, you know what? We're not living for ourselves. We're not being selfish and focus on us, we're thinking about who can I encourage? Who can I help? And that was the church at Colossae. They loved. Because of their faith, they loved. Not only did they love, but Paul says they had hope. And because of this foundation of hope that they had in their, their lives, verse, uh, verse five, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, they were able to love because they were people full of great hope. I know, knew that what's going on here, the junk that's happening on this, on this planet right now in my life, this isn't it. I'm just passing through. The best is yet to come. And they looked forward to tomorrow. That's where their future was laid up. And when we have that hope, when we're grateful for the grace of God in our life and who we are, where we are in Christ, there's great peace. There's that great confidence. Not in the here and now, but in what's before us. And we can encourage others because we all need encouragement. We're all going through something. These believers encourage one another. And as a church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, we need to be encouraging and loving one another as well. And as they were doing that, there was gospel expansion. The word of God was going out and the gospel was growing, not just there in Colossae, but all other places as well. And it started with the grace of God. It didn't start with their faith. God initiated the process through his grace. And as they heard the truth, they believed. And God did great things. So what's the application this morning as uh, we begin this series? Number one, believe God's promises. Jesus is enough. It's not Jesus plus something. No, it's Jesus. And when you believe Jesus, you have everything. The Gnostics were trying to convince them, no, Jesus is only the beginning point. There's a lot more things you've got to do. No. 
What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Because Jesus is our everything. Believe God's promises. Rely on the Holy Spirit. You can't live this life alone in the flesh. God has given you the gift of his Holy Spirit that enables you to love. You can't love others in the flesh, especially those who are different from you, who aren't very lovable. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, God can give you a heart that cares to reach out. We have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We need to set our hearts on what's above, not on the things that are around us. And boy, do the things around us keep our attention, don't they? Okay, and we, we get consumed with the things around us. And we gotta be, we gotta care about the things around us, but that's not where our hope lies. Our confidence is in, in, as to who's in office or, or what, what team's doing well or what team's not doing well. No, our confidence is in Christ. And we need to look forward with great anticipation of what we're going to experience for all eternity. And in the power of that hope, walk in love. Walk in love. God wants us to be people who love. Why? Because God is love. And God first loved us. And may we love him and others in return. I put a couple passages of scripture there below for you to meditate on this week. Um, examples of believers in the Bible who because they believed by faith who Jesus is and what he did, it made a huge difference in their life. And they lived sacrificial lives. One of those individuals is Moses that you will be uh, studying this week. Let's be people of great hope. Full of gratitude and thanksgiving for the grace of God in our life. His unmerited favor. Grace, peace, that's worth celebrating. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word that we can believe beyond a shadow of a doubt because Jesus, you are the word. The incarnate God made flesh. Your words are life. And there is no other name under heaven that can give us hope, that can give us peace, who can deliver us from the storms that we go through. Jesus, it's you and you alone. 
and we thank you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to encourage you this morning. God's got you. God's holding you. He's got you covered above and below, all around. And nothing, no one is ever going to take you out of his hand. God's got this. And he wanted you here this morning to remind you of that truth. Trust his promises.